Hello and welcome to Yudcast, episode 83. This is Head of School Dan Glass with you once again, recording live in the Sound Lab here at the Brandeis School of San Francisco. It's good to be back with you here in uh, in the clean air of another school week in the wake of the Thanksgiving holiday. Going to begin today with a poem, as we like to do here on the Yudcast. This is a poem by uh, the great Philip Levine um, from... Uh, I, I've been reading uh, Levine's book, Breath, um, lately in the mornings as part of a morning mindfulness practice and uh, really been enjoying it. Um, and so I thought to read this a poem, an older poem of his than the ones from that collection uh, called Buying Earth. Time was when I was a boy and a bird called down my name. I went out to the open fields at the edge of the, my town and opened my eyes to the blazing sky and heard in the turning earth the great groan of the dead as they came back to life. I cried out the few words I knew, my own name and the name of the earth, and so doing I bought the earth forever. It was summer. The the trees greened. The wild grasses grew to my waist, and everywhere I turned I broke open the hearts of seeds, and yet there was no wounding, no crying out against my being there, as I would later hear, for I had not yet come into the shape of a man. I loved the world that loved me so, and I thought then, in the long twilight turning for home, that the more I lived, the more this love would grow, and I would be a prince of earth some day, tall and lean, moving alone beneath my sky that let the rainy winds bless my hair, or the tears of snow jewel brow and hands. Before I was sixteen, those fields were gone, the trees brought down with a cry that stopped nothing. Pond, grove, roadless meadows between town and town, all gone. And I walked on in a starless dark where nothing spoke my name. And it was then I became a man, heavy, broken into earth and breaking the earth, so that all the ruined waters and the milky froth of mills might run back to the seas they'd fled. Yes, I became a man that sold himself hand by hand, hour by hour, name by lost name, until there was nothing left to sell, nothing to buy. It's a powerful piece and one that uh, ties to some of what I wanted to share with you this week on the Yudcast, although those last lines, I have to say, just take me um, so directly uh, to um, Wordsworth's uh, poem that the title of which is escaping me right now but um, anyway there's a line in that one getting and spending we lay waste our powers um, the the basic argument of of the poem is that um, you know as as the industrial revolution was descending uh, upon England and man's relationship to nature and I I say man they're not uh, to identify a gendered position but so I should say humanity's relationship to nature uh, was changing that that we lost uh, the power um, uh, 
lost that sense that we were um, uh, princes and princesses of the earth, as Levine might put it here. Um, and actually, it's about uh, industrial revolutions of a sort that uh, I had in mind to discuss today. Um, it's, uh, you know, being back this week, I've had a number of conversations about how uh, those of us here in the Bay Area suddenly have a new appreciation for clean air. Um, you know, something you hadn't thought to appreciate until you suddenly didn't have it anymore. Um, and the past few weeks of all of us learning all of a sudden how to track things like the air quality index um, uh, were stark. And in, in our household, in the glass household, those days of feeling like smoke refugees provoked many conversations around the dinner table about our world, about fires and what caused them, about the changing climate and what we can do. We made small commitments as a family to each other that felt big for the vehemence with which they were shared. Commitments to packing truly waste-free lunches or learning more about what we can do to support and protect our forests. Coincidentally, we came back Monday to a faculty meeting presenter from the San Francisco Department of the Environment who shared with our team about how we can more effectively sort our compost and recycling and help move toward the goal of being a zero-waste city by 2020. It was humbling to hear about how much we can do better and inspiring to many of us. I understand that uh, our kindergartners have already taken to uh, trying to sort their lunches more effectively um, so that we are only uh, sending to the landfill what truly cannot be uh, composted or recycled. These questions of our role in building a better world are endemic to Brandeis. And yet I find that whatever, whenever major disasters strike, human or natural or somewhere in between, it is hard not to notice the degree to which they do not seem to be a part these uh, questions about uh, our role in building a better world are not a part of the decision-making processes of so much of the world's leadership in business and politics and elsewhere. Ethical leadership is a core practice in our school community, but sadly we must position it as an antidote to a current sickness rather than a reflection of a current strength. There are many exceptions, of course, including in our community here at Brandeis, exceptional examples of ethics in action in the worth workplace, but it's hardly the norm. Recently, I was talking with a group of colleagues about what's uh, called the fourth industrial revolution, a term used to describe the current and onrushing moment of artificial, intelligent, artificial intelligence and biological technologies. Think things like autonomous cars or nanotech and the in Internet of Things. We know these technologies are changing how we work and interact with each other and the world. The question becomes, what and how do we teach such that our students will meet this revolution fully prepared to make a difference, to have an impact, and to lead? At a recent conference on innovation in education, the answer to that question was as much about ethics as STEM. As an art article re recapping the summit put it, quote, the most important skills for the fourth industrial revolution 
Try Ethics and Philosophy. The same day I had that conversation with some colleagues, I read another article that made quite stark the need to teach such content, whose headline will also make will also tell you most of what you need to know. Quote, Chinese scientist claims to use CRISPR to make first genetically edited babies. CRISPR is spelled C-R-I-S-P-R, and its absent vowel makes it sound like uh, more like a dating app than a gene editing technique. And it's something that's been explored. It's been around uh, since, or identified as a, as a, a piece of DNA since the late 80s, but it's only been explored as an approach to DNA sequencing and editing in the past five or so years, as I understand it. And ever since, uh, as this New York Times article has it, quote, scientists have braced apprehensively for the day when it would be used to create a genetically altered human being. Apparently, that day was last week with what seems to be a rogue Chinese scientist, and I say that because the article uh notes that 122 of his colleagues published a letter uh, after he described his research calling him, quote, crazy. Um, This rogue Chinese scientist uh, edited embryos to make them resistant to um, the HIV virus and implanted them. um, And I, I guess twin girls were born of those embryos this past month. This whole article is worth a read, and it's linked in the Word of the Week uh, this week. This was just published in the Times last week, so I'm sure there will be follow-up coverage. Um, But what really struck me in it is the kind of frantic uncertainty about who should regulate these new and newer technologies as they bloom before our eyes. Should it be governments, professional societies, markets, universities? My answer as a parent to my children and as an educator here at Brandeis is a simpler one. The responsibility is with each of us. Let those making decisions at every level of business, research, or government be armed with a moral compass, a grounding in ethics, so that more decisions every day can be made with the greater good in mind. And with that... I would say, uh, may it be so. I hope I hope not just Brandeis graduates, but the graduates uh, of all of our schools um, can come away with a real uh, a real sense of uh, moral and ethical grounding in the world. Because uh, certainly, the challenges of this century, of this fourth industrial revolution, are going to need it. So. Uh, I wish you all weekends filled with clean air, my friends. I hope we all remember to appreciate it uh, every day and not just when we lose it. Uh, Big Shabbat Shalom to any of you listening on Shabbat. Thank you for being with us here on the Yudcast, and we'll be back with you next week.